How's it going, my fellow history scholars? Welcome back to the podcast where we talk about the unanswered questions of history and unravel the mysteries and the many questions we ask about our past. Today, our special guest star is Salman Sheikh, who's going to be sharing with us what Sufism is. He is the author of a book as well as a YouTube personality. So Salman, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Brother Jacob, for having me. It's an honor and privilege to be here with yourself and your audience and to share the aspect of Sufism, Freemasonry, and how it's tied in together in this aspect of self-improvement and how the man can improve himself and bring himself to a um, basically an ascended master in the age of chaos that we're dealing with currently. So I thank you for having me and your audience. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And I know we scheduled this for a while back. We had a little time confusion, but I'm glad we're finally able to get on here and uh, start talking about this interesting subject. It's something that I really don't know that much about, so I was excited to be able to get you on here to share all your knowledge and uh, the information you've learned about Sufism. Yes, definitely. And uh, Sufism basically, uh, Brother Jacob, is the aspect of purification of the self. So it's just like uh, you have in Star Wars, the Jedi Master, and the Jedi basically is the Arabic word al-Jedi, meaning master of the way. So that basically comes from the aspect of Sufism, even in the Holy Land when the Knights Templar were studying with the Sufis and the Ismaili Shias, and they were collaborating with that brotherhood and knowledge. So Sufism is basically, if you, it's, it's the inner mysteries of Islam, like how in the Bible, it says in Mark 4, 11, where Christ says that some of you will be taught the inner mysteries who will get it, while those of you will be taught who don't get it in the exterior realm in parables. So Sufism is the same way where you have the people of the bench who were taught the inner mysteries of Islam by the Prophet Muhammad. And you have the other exterior world of Islam, which is basically divided into Sunni Shia and their own sectarian issues that they're dealing with. And you have you have that struggle going on everywhere. And the Sufism aspect is basically to do the right thing and become a better human being, just like how in the Mason as a rough ashlar and he's given the tools to smooth out his ashlar from the rough to basically becoming a smooth master to master of himself and to know thyself and to know thy lord is the same thing that sufism teaches is to find god or to get close to god or to get close to your fellow man first you have to basically work on your qualities and fight with your lower nature and get rid of all of the bad qualities get connected with your heart and basically they believe in this Mohammedan reality. And the Mohammedan reality basically means that there was the light of Muhammad. So people mainly think about the physical prophet that manifested in the sixth century. So they believe uh, in the beginning of time and space, God had created this light of Muhammad. And from that light, everything comes. So the earth, the stars, the galaxies, humanity, uh, all the unseen and seen forces of mother earth. So with the Sufi, he puts that in his heart that how can I hate anybody if everything comes from this one source, whether you're Muslim, Jewish, Christian, American, you name it, everything is connected to that one source. And that's why in the Sufi aspect, when somebody dies, they'd say to Allah, God, we belong and to him, we shall return. So everything is basically a, um, an illusion. This world is basically a guest house. I checked in uh, any time I could. I came out of my mo mother's womb empty, naked. That's the same way I'll go when my time comes, we'll be empty and naked. 
but the things that you do take with you is what good did you do for yourself and other people? And that relates to the aspect of the Holy Quran where it says in Surah 2 verse 62 that it doesn't matter if you're a Jewish, Christian or Muslim, as long as you believe in God, do the right thing and are righteous, then on the day of judgment, you shall have no grief. And that's important to stress that because there are a lot of agents of chaos that like to create divide between Muslim Americans and other Americans in general, saying that we believe that Jews and Christians are infidels, which is untrue. We're all brothers and sisters on this path, trying to get closer to each other, get close to God, trying to do the right thing. And it also said about the Masonic aspect in Surah 49 that, oh mankind, the believers are but one brotherhood. So the Sufi is going through this internal struggle, uh, struggle to let go of this world and the attachments around it. Because we're uh, basically put in this aspect, Brother Jake, that you got to work a job, you got to do all of these things and expectations mm -hmm. that society puts on you. And you didn't just come here to pay bills and die. There was more to your life than ex an existence that matters in this realm. And that's what the Sufi is trying to connect in terms of helping himself, his family, his fellow neighbors. So when I became a Freemason, I realized that this is the exact same thing that I was doing in terms of Sufism being the Eastern right. parent or the Eastern version of Freemasonry. And seeing that in the West, it was, it was basically like home for me. And that's what I've been doing is um, there's a lot of people, even in the Islamic community, Brother Jake, who have misconceptions about Freemasonry. And there's people in the Masonic world who don't know much about uh, Islam. So basically, I found my purpose. On this side, I'm clearing up misconceptions. And on this side, I'm educating them about who's who, who, what, where, why, etc. So I, I prepared a PowerPoint for your audience, which will help, help me articulate all of this in a very well-designed fashion, which will answer all of your audience's questions. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that. And uh, one comment there, I think that people don't realize the connection that all the monotheistic religions have, that especially with Freemasonry, that we're all able to gather together and we're, we don't have to fight. There, there's no need to fight and there's no need for this division that we see so much in the world. And so I love that you brought that up. That Sufism exactly. says that as long as you believe in God, that everybody can be treated as brothers. Exactly. And, that's and the I think that's basically the teachings of Masonry right there, summed up. That's, that's exactly right. And it's beautiful, Brother Jake, that where else in the world right now, especially with all the chaos taking place, whether you're a Jew, Muslim, Christian, you could come together on the table of brotherhood, on the table of God and love each other, respect each other. And the Masons are teaching humanity, especially people here, that if we can do it, why can't you? It doesn't matter what your position is, what neighborhood you live in, your socioeconomic status, your race. All those things are artificial barriers. That's what the Sufi says, that you are basically a manifestation of a human being and you have to find God in your heart. If I have God in my heart, so do you. Because, you know, the aspect of the Mohammedan reality, we're all part of that one source. So that's what I'm trying to stress is you have agents of chaos that exist in all races, religions, countries, and groups in the world, because there's always that internal struggle between the light and the dark. So you gotta know what's fact, what's fiction, what's myth, what's propaganda, and know that anything that's teaching division of any kind, that's not of God. That's not what those faiths are teaching. And that's what the beauty that I had in this country when I first came to America, I was in a all American Midwestern town before I came to Philadelphia. 
and it was beautiful. People don't really ask you who you are and all these other things. And I was attending Bible school and I was attending uh, Quran classes on the same day. And I really? realized, yeah, I realized that everyone is teaching the same exact thing. They're all teaching the same thing. All of these Absolutely. religions are a code of conduct. They're teaching you how to be a good human being, how to live a good lawful life. And that's pretty much it. So if there are six ways from here, from Philadelphia to come to Chicago, from the different interstates, it's all taking me to the same destination, no matter which interstate I take. Mm -hmm. So with these uh, different faiths, what the Sufi teaches is no matter what faith you're taking, it's all taking you to the same destination, which is in God's heart and in God's love. And that's what I see in the Masonic Brotherhood as well. Those that are exemplifying that unity. I see no one else doing it. And that's why I believe Freemasonry is a pivotal force, not just in America, but around the world that's needed in today's chaotic world. Right. And I don't know if there's an Islamic equivalent or not, but there is a Bible verse that says that the word of God, that God is written on every man's heart. Yeah. So everybody yeah. knows God, but there's several different ways to reach him. And I think that's that's the beautiful part of religion. But yeah, if you want to share your presentation, uh, I'm sure we'd love that. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, do you see it, Brother Jake? Yep, I have it here. I'll pull it up for you. Okay. Can you hear me and see the screen? Yep. All right, perfect. So it, it's like what I pointed out with Brother Jake. This is a uh, presentation which covers, which answers the aspect of Sufism and also what we find in Freemasonry. And I hope that all of your listeners and viewers will be able to take something away from this. So I'll start a quote from William Preston, whom my lodge is named after. And he says, the true Mason is a citizen of the world and his philanthropy extends to all the human race. Un uninfluenced by local prejudices, he knows no preference in virtue, but according to its degree from whatever country or climate may spring. So just like how I was as a young man attending Bible school and I was attending Quran classes on the same day, and I realized that it's all teaching the truth. So the true Mason is the one, Brother Jake, that one that finds light at every altar, just like how Brother Manley Palmer Hall stated once, one time too in one of his lectures that no matter where you find the light, as long as it's helping you become a better human being, uh, no matter what clime or country it comes from, then you apply that to your life. Like the Masonic double-headed eagle, it looks both in the east and the west because it knows that light comes from all directions of the globe. Right, and for those who don't know, uh, Manly P. Hall, he was a huge um, philosophist, uh, a huge philosophy person, esoteric. How, how do you say that, esoteric? He, he was in a he was a philosopher a mystic and an esoteric philosopher mystic yep and esoteric yep and he wrote these beautiful books about how all of these different religions have their symbolism and they have the different styles of mythology but ultimately like Salman's sharing here that they all tell the same story and so if you guys haven't already i definitely recommend that you read uh, the secret teachings of all ages because that's one of his uh greatest books for sure Definitely, Brother Jake. I highly recommend that book. And I also recommend his other book, which is The Mystics of Islam, which also gives you a uh, perspective 
because Manly Parma Hall was a brother Mason as well. So that also gives you the uh, Sufi Masonic perspective. Mm -hmm. So moving on to the three stages. So in Masonry, you have the three stages where one becomes the, the master of self and the elements around him. In Sufism, you have the same thing. So you have the first stage, which is fighting the ego and coming to light. Most people on spiritual paths, they often resist. There's always a resistance of some kind. And the definition of Islam, what Islam really is, just means to submit, to submit to a higher power or a higher divinity. And that's pretty much it. So by definition, a Muslim is one who believes in a higher power and submits to that. Same in the aspect of what we're dealing with in Islam and Sufism. In Freemasonry, you have to believe in a supreme being. So it's the aspect of fighting the ego and coming to light. The second stage is the tariqah, to unite with the grand architect of the universe. Now, if you read Rumi's poems, this is what he means by uniting with his beloved, because uh, the Sufi basically lets go of this world and he wants to become one with his love, which is God. The third stage is the marifa, the act of know thyself and know thy Lord. With the biblical verse that Brother Jake pointed out, there's also a verse in the Holy Quran, in Surah 50, that says that Almighty God is closer to you than your jugular vein. So we're always looking for God outside in the skies, not knowing that God is already playing hide and seek with you within your own heart and in your own soul, the place where you least expect to look to find that divinity within you and to basically become a purification or the taskiya ul nafs of the Sufi who's following the path of tasavuf. Tasavuf meaning one who is pure and on the aspect of purification of the self. Now, right, and on, on the other side of that, masonry teaches you to build the temple within yourself, that God is within yourself. That's also prevalent in Christianity. They say that the Holy Spirit is within yourself. So we see a lot of these same themes across multiple religions. That's exactly right. And I thank you for pointing that out. There's another thing in the Holy Bible, Brother Jake, that the kingdom of heaven is within. And if you find right. that within, then that's the most beautiful thing you can accomplish in this life. And now we're dealing with the four worlds and the four realms of knowledge. So the Sufi is dealing with the first, this is the first world where we're in the 3D world, which is matter, earth, water, air, fire, and ether. So we're dealing with this 3D reality around us. And that's the aspect of knowing God and the world to know what is it that you're dealing with in terms of the world and your responsibilities as a human being within it. And just like how the Mason is taught to balance his time correctly, the Sufi is also taught to balance the world and his faith correctly. So you're not dedicating too much time to one thing. There's always a balance. And know that you're not taking time away from yourself, from your health, from your family, etc., and those kind of things. The second uh, realm that you're dealing with is the spiritual beings, which are jinns, angels, heaven and hell, cause and effect. Now, this is the aspect of as above, so below. Now, what's going mm -hmm. on here in this 3D reality that we're in currently, there's also reality taking place above us and beneath us. And depending on your perception and your action in this lifetime, you do attract the attraction of many of these beings. So if there's a spiritual war taking place here right now in our reality from our eyes and our point of view, there's one taking place with our higher selves as well in the fourth mm -hmm. dimension. And that's where a lot of the you have a lot of powerful beings and masters in this life that might live boring humdrum, humdrum lives but 
some of the real spiritual warfare that they're doing and some of the real work for humanity that they're doing is always done on the spiritual realm. And that's why meditation and I guess being able to access that realm through purification and prayers is very much stressed in the, the Sufi path. So the thir third uh, realm that we're dealing with is the source of the lost word, the hidden tablet, the knowledge of spirit, just like how yeah. the Masons are looking for the lost word. And we have the fourth realm, which is the realm of the grand architect of the universe, which is pure essence and God being the only reality. So the Sufis have a saying that Allah, God, is the only reality and that this life is a game of deception. It's all a show, which which it says that in the Quran too, in Surah 5, that the life of this world is an illusion and a deception, but only if they knew. And they tell you that your real life begins when you die and you wake up. So that aspect of death and rebirth and becoming one with yourself is very much stressed in the Sufi path as well. So now you're dealing with the five pillars of Islam, and that's basically what makes up the faith of Islam. So you have the first pillar, which is Shahada, the creed. In, in the Masonic terms, it could be to believe in a supreme being. The second, prayer, to be about your work, to do get the work done, do the right thing, do the prayers, just like how you have prayers in the lodge room. The third is fasting, to circumscribe your desires and live your life within due bounds, just like how a mason must control yeah. his passions. The fourth pillar, Hajj, which is pilgrimage. So if, if it's within your means to do so, the Muslim or the Sufi, one and the same, must once in their lifetime, if they're financially capable of doing so, make a pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca in the east to fulfill one of their religious uh, obligations. Just like how they tell you in Freemasonry that if you're able to afford it and afford the dues and all that stuff, then that's when you're able to begin your path by not being a burden to yourself or your family or your job. The fifth is zakat, which is almsgiving, to be a charitable human being, to give charity, to be a charitable, charitable individual. Like we have Masonic charities, Masonic homes and all this stuff that happens. It's part of who you are. And these pillars of Islam go with the aspect of what we learn in masonry the pillars of tuscan doric ionic corinthian and composite mm -hmm. and to learn the arts and sciences and to basically apply these things to our lives now the second part that we're looking at here is the jihad now there's been a misconception in this country especially by the agents of chaos who have been spreading lies through these different um, media venues to get people to hate muslims or that divide that's been created so the word jihad is basically struggle against the self. And the prophet said that the greatest jihad that you can do is against your own lower nature and struggle against the nafs, the jihad al-nafs, which is the greatest battle that you can do. Because ultimately, Brother Jake, your greatest enemy and your greatest friend is ultimately you when you look in the mirror and how you choose to shape your reality and some of the barriers and intrusive thoughts that come into your mind if you tear them down and you submit, which is submission, the meaning of Islam, or in masonry to submit to the grand architect or the supreme being, it's pretty much one and the same that you have to live a life of good conduct and control any lower passions and live a good, clean life. And that's basically what this is teaching you. And again, we move on to the, the Mohammedan reality. So most people, when they hear the name Muhammad, they think of the sixth century prophet. But just like how 
you have the aspect of being brought from darkness to light. In the beginning, there was darkness, and the Sufis believed that God created this light of Muhammad. And from this light, all existence of humanity was created, like the solar system, the earth, the stars, humanity, the plants, animals, trees, etc. So everything comes from this one source. So the Sufi who believes in this Mohammedan reality says that if everything comes from this one light, how can I hate anybody? Whether it's a Jewish person, Christian, Muslim, they're all my brothers and sisters from we all come from the same source in the spiritual school that we're in. Just like how in the Masonic world, we're all on the level. So it's pretty right. much one and the same. You have the aspect of what is the Sufi and the Mason, Brother Jake? And the goal of the Sufi is to become one with his beloved, the grand architect of the universe, and to become better, adab, in the Arabic word adab is your character, and his character and being honored to self and humanity. The goal of the Mason is to believe in God, honor his brothers, smooth as Ashler, and be a better man. So as you see, it's two paths, one destination. Now, this is a, this is a part that most people don't know even your uh, people in your conventional Islam, that the Prophet Muhammad was a widow's son. And mm. Prophet Muhammad lost his father at a young age and was raised by his mother, a widow, till the age of six. And what, what do Masons do? They take care of widows and orphans. And he was, right. adopted, by, he was adopted by his uncle who took care of this uh, orphan, the son of a widow, so he could prepare him for the life that he was meant to lead. And when he came, he said, I have come to perfect the adab character of mankind. Just like how you you have the aspect of masonry to perfect one's character. And he established religious and racial freedom with his decrees, dealing of Hazrat Bilal, covenant with the monks of St. Catherine Monastery, and the constitution of Medina, which gave rights to Jews and Christian, instructed mankind to become one ummah community and be on the level. Now, just like yeah, after the death of any religious leader or any spiritual leader, you'll have those that will take over and have their own perversions and agendas. But as I'm pointing out here, the only person that followed the true teachings of the prophet was Saladin in the Holy Land when he protected the Christian churches, the Christian pilgrims, their relics, because he was following what the prophet had established, which is that the Muslim must protect his Christian brothers and sisters his Jewish brothers and sisters, those that are following the true Islam, do those things. And But then again, it's like I said, no organization or no country or background is going to be perfect. You're always going to have those that are struggling between light and dark. But we must focus on those that are following the true teachings. And we must establish that, how we have to become one. Because ultimately, everything is indeed one. Yeah, I don't think people realize the connections with Saladin and the Templars because I've had uh, Brother Scott Walter on and uh, his wife, Janet Walter, and uh, they, they talk a lot about the Templars and the possibility of coming to America. And I also had Gretchen Cornwall on who does a lot of stuff with the Templars as well. But we never got to talk about how the Templars were tied in with Sufism in this way by being connected to Saladin. And yeah, I think it's really such an important lost story, especially for Masonry who uh, essentially wants to take hail from the Templars. It's not confirmed, obviously, but being the builders of Solomon's Temple and the Templars hailing from Solomon's Temple, there's that symbolism. So that connection there is Su Sufism and 
Saladin, I think, is something that we uh, really need to bring up more in, uh, in yeah. modules and stuff. I, I, I agree with you completely. And that's something that, Brother Jake, that I need to stress to the Masonic scholars and historians, that there is a link between the Templars and the assassins, the Ismaili Shias, who are known mm -hmm. as the Hashachin, and the aspect of the Sufis that they were all studying together. This is all, if you go to the Middle East and if you attend a lot of the underground Masonic circles, those legends are still there. And it's unfortunately in the West, they just don't cover it. I guess uh, they have their own interpretation of how they see things. But then again, we have to look at masonry and the double-headed eagle. Knowledge comes from all directions. So you take knowledge from the West, East, East, West. It's It all applies the same thing. And there is a hidden power structure. Even if you've seen the, the John Wick movies in the third one, that there is a the aspect of the hidden power structure in the east where the only people that could save him were the assassins of the east mm -hmm. so now now we're dealing with the all-seeing eye of the grand architect of the universe so you have the 99 names of allah so the sufis believe that there are these different names but the 100th name is missing just like how the mason is trying to look for the the lost name and one of the uh, names of allah is al-basir the all-seeing and they say the camel knows the 100th name of God, which starts with the letter G. And that's why, that's even, symbolism. yeah, and that's even even in the Shriners. Now, you know that why the camel is regarded with its uh, Islamic theme. Yeah. So the Al-Basir, Brother Jake, is one of the names of Allah. The Sufi says that he's aware of the deeds done in darkness. And there, there's a story that goes along with this, that there was a Sufi sheikh or the equivalent of a worshipful master. And he had three students or equivalent of three brothers under him. And he tasked them each that I will, I will give you this chicken and you go and kill it in a place where no one can see it. So the first guy took it in his house and killed it there. The second guy took it to the forest and did it there. And the third one, he got it right because, you know, obviously it happens in threes. So he, he came back to the sheikh, the master, and said that I couldn't do it anywhere. Because everywhere I was, the all-seeing eye of the grand architect of the universe yeah. was watching me. And that's one thing that people don't understand in this lifetime, that you do not get away with anything. There's always a price to pay for your seen and unseen actions of this life. So you must always be accountable that whatever you're doing, even if you're 100 miles underground, that, that all-seeing eye of the grand architect will hold you accountable. Because... Uh, brother jake we get lost in this life and think that oh a man has to chase women cars degrees titles homes but if i go to sleep right now after i'm done speaking with you and i don't wake up what is any of that going to do for me it's about what good did you do for yourself and others that's the spiritual wealth that you ultimately take with you and that's what the sufi is stressing and that's what the mason is stressing that it's not always about money that will be you know hold you accountable in terms of your, of your admission and your value it's about your heart that's the main thing right and sadly our material world doesn't realize that tomorrow's promise to no one so even the idea of oh i'll do it tomorrow i'll, I'll take care of those chores tomorrow I'll, I'll save up all my money no if the bible teaches against that and i'm sure the quran teaches against that as well that tomorrow is promised to nobody so we should be choosing to live each and every day to the best exactly. of our ability exactly and i and i agree with you my brother completely and i would like to add with your audience that 
If there's anybody you need to call, pick up the phone and apologize and be the better person, or you need to text somebody, just do it because tomorrow is not promised. If there's anybody that you want to tell that you love them, do it now because tomorrow is not promised. And that's what will make your life worthwhile when you live each day with that mentality. So now we're moving on to the brethren of the white cloth, equally divested and on the level. Now, as you notice, Brother Jake, when you have the innocence of the lambskin of a Master Mason, when mm -hmm. you're in when you're in a lodge and you see Master Masons who's never met before, but when they see each other with the with that innocence of the lambskin, they greet each other as long lost friends. So in Masonry, it's it, it there are no strangers, just friends that you have yet to meet. Right. And that's the same exact thing. If you go to the holy city of Mecca, as you see in the picture, it doesn't matter what your race or religion is. They're all equally wearing that white cloth of purity. They're equally divested. It doesn't matter if one of them could be a president or a CEO or a janitor or whatever position there is. They're all equal, equally divested. And the name of this cloth, interestingly, is the Ihram, which phonetically is Hiram. So all of these brothers are Hiram's on the level. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And that, Brother Jake, is what changed Malcolm X's life. When Malcolm X was here, he was being taught to hate white people, that the white man is the devil. And that's not what Islam teaches. When he went to the Middle East and he saw the holy city of Mecca in the East, he saw that white, black, Pakistani, Arabs, it doesn't matter who they were. Everyone was equally loving each other and respecting each other. And that's the guideline that true Sufi Islam and true Masonry promotes. And that, my brother, is what we have to fight for and even call out those who are not representing it properly because it is, it is a big responsibility and we have to make sure that the world we inherited, we give a better world to the generation that comes after us. For sure. And for those not familiar with, uh, with Masonry, that's one of the coolest things I would say about Masonry for sure is that everybody meets upon the level. So you could never have met somebody in your life and lodge. And when you come across them, they're, they're no different than your brother, your biological brother. That's how close Masons are. And that's how everybody in the world should act. I, I agree, my brother, absolutely correct. And it's, you know, now we're back on that topic of life being short. In Masonry, you have the memento mori, which you see the brother Masons who are always have the skulls in the background and they, they always are promoting the aspect of the skull. So the skull is basically for the people that don't get it. It's not anything evil. It's just promoting the aspect of the your life that you have this short human life that's been given to you mm -hmm. and make the best of it. Don't waste your time. Just like what Sufi Islam teaches in the Holy Quran that every soul will taste death. You cannot escape this. And we test you with evil and with good as trial. And to, and to us you will be returned. So both good and evil come from the grand architect of the universe because it's just like in masonry, you have the black and white tiles, you have good days, bad days, bad days, good days. Because if it weren't for your struggles and the, uh, the things that you went through, you wouldn't be who you are today. So those things are important that let's say even for yourself, Brother Jake, to be a, a soldier or to be in the service, you have to go through those trials and tribulations. Otherwise, you cannot be who you are in your current standing. Same with the Sufi or the Mason. They have to go through their own trials, tribulations, and be able to walk that path with faith. 
by putting their faith in God and knowing that everything somehow, some way works out. That's why in the Islamic world, uh, especially with, you know, in the terms of war and these other things, they're not afraid to die because they know that this whole life is an illusion. And that's why anytime there's a conflict of any kind, they'll be the first, even though that it's wrong and it should be avoided, they'll be the first to avoid, uh, basically go for that aspect of war to defend themselves and their families because they're not afraid to die. And that's what Masonry is teaching too, that while you have this life, make the best of it without any fear whatsoever. Now we have the aspect of on the level. Now just any Masonic lodge you go to in America or all over the world, you always have all of the different holy scriptures displayed on the same table. And this is what it says in the Holy Quran from the Sufi aspect from Surah 2 verse 62 that those who believe in the Quran and those who follow the Jewish scriptures and the Christians and the Sabians, any who believe in Allah, God, and the last day and work righteousness shall have their reward with their Lord. On them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. Just like in the Masonic system, they're respecting all of these books as volumes of sacred laws. And they tell you whatever path that you follow, as long as you follow the path of righteousness, the upright man, the upright Mason, and always doing the right thing, then you will always have that reward with the grand architect of the universe. And this is something that I wanna point out for those that are promoting hate between Muslims, Jews, and Christians, but we all come from that same tree. And that's what we have to do in the aspect of this chaotic world that we're dealing with, as if nobody else is doing it, it falls on individuals like us to promote that unity. Now you have the also aspect of the verse uh, surah 49 verse 10 that the believers are but brothers so make peace between your two brothers and be mindful of god so that you may be given mercy and even the aspect down here that we make no distinction between any of his messengers so moses jesus muhammad solomon peace be upon them all and no matter what path you follow as long as you're, it's helping you get to god then you're doing the right thing and that's what the masonry teaches as well that as long as you follow what path works for you the right way and you're meeting everybody on the level then you're on the right path now the sufis brother jake believe in la ilaha illallah so anytime you see like a sufi gathering or you seeing the dervishes like doing their chantings and meditations they're always going to be chanting la ilaha illallah and la ilaha illallah is basically are these seven syllables that connect to you and tell you that God is the only reality or the grand architect is the only reality. And with the seven syllables, it ties into the seventh letter, which is G in our Masonic square and compass. Mm -hmm. And this basically is um, teaching us, Brother Jake, that your inner temple, like your lower chakra, like working your way up to basically be the al-Jadai or the Jedi, the master of the way, to work your way up from this root area and go through all of this stuff so you can become more spiritually aware with God. And that's the path the Mason is following as well, is the purification of self, that each day he has to sit down and think, is there anything that I could have done better? Is there anything that I could have said better? And is there anybody that I believe that I might have not done justice by? And that's the same aspect that you have to overwork those things. The idea of hewing the rough ashlar, which is the, one of the biggest testaments in Freemasonry. 
Exactly. It's always to strive to make yourself better and to live each and every day better. So, exactly. Now you have the aspect of to be duly tested and tried. Now in Sufism, if you ever go to in these Eastern countries like I have, and you go to a lot of these Sufi shrines, which are sometimes they're in the middle of nowhere because they only want those that are true and worthy to journey there and be able to visit those places. A lot of the times what you'll see is you'll see a beggar outside and the beggar will always test you and unbeknownst to, to you, you might be dealing with the master of the place. But when you walk by, he will test mm. you, test your heart. He will ask you for money or ask you for food. So we're talking all of this good stuff about humanity and all this stuff. But a lot of these uh, masters will catch you one on one and they will see is this person who he really says he is or he, is he just talking? So they, you get you do get tested and tried on this path, Brother Jake, just like how after you become a master mason, you will see everybody coming out of the woodworks in the terms of beggar, those that ask you for money, those that need your help. So that's important that you don't you don't fail those trials because those trials are there to test you to see like you know Jake and Salman are saying all of these things but are they really going to be about it when the time comes and right. it's it's the same thing on the left hand side where you have the Salominari which they also come from Romanian mythology and as you see with the Salominari he has a collar he's holding a gavel he's holding a um, a, a stick He's holding a, a book with the Masonic double-headed eagle. And these people mm -hmm. are, are believed to be coming from the inner earth. So I was able to tie the Sufi with the Salominari. And they say King Solomon himself came from this inner earth civilization because uh, they were like these ascended masters and they disguised themselves as beggars. And that's what the parallel that I made with Masonry and Sufism is when somebody in distress comes and asks you for help, that's when your character is tested. Right, and connecting that in, I don't want to give away too much for those people that aren't a part of Masonry, but we have what's called the Chamber of Reflections, and on it, the wall is uh, Latin words. I think they're Latin uh, vitriol, which means visit the interior of the earth and basically to cleanse yourself. So again, I, that might even be in reference to this inner civilization that you're talking about. Exactly. Uh, tie in that you're to journey within yourself, journey within the earth, physical and spiritual both represented right there to cleanse yourself and make yourself better. Yes, exactly right. And as you see, like even with the uh, the Salominari elder, he's dressed as a Mason in all of his, uh, the representation that he embodies himself. So now we move on to the master of the work. So in the aspect of Sufism or Islam, Brother Jake, you have to memorize the Holy Quran, like from front to back, back to front, like all 114 chapters of the Quran and all of this uh, aspect of Arabic and in, uh, English in whichever way the student is able to do it. But Arabic is stressed more. And that's this is just for is this just for Muslims or is this for Sufis? Uh, it's basically one in the same. One in the same. Yeah. So it's basically uh, how you have a worshipful master in the lodge where he has to be the master of the work because these traditions have been passed on to you. And masonry won't survive into the next generation if more people are not becoming a master of the work and passing that on to future generations. So that's what Sufism uh, stresses as well, that you have to be the master of the work. Because originally, when the Quran was revealed, it was transmitted orally. 
And then by the time they were able to write it down in books and parchments, the only way it survived was because of those that had memorized it orally. It's like in Denzel Washington's movie, The Book of Eli, the only way the Bible survived in the post-apocalyptic world was because of this individual who had memorized it from cover to cover. So it's, it's important that there are those that learn the work to not only serve themselves, but be able to serve their lodges and to be able to serve their communities for the upcoming generations. Mm -hmm. And for those that don't know, to actually qualify for the first three degrees of masonry, you're required to memorize a, a series of rituals. And it's important because, again, just like Solomon was saying, that you become master of this work, that you actually are able to understand it and recite it if people were to ask you about it. And then I also remember a story, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, but in esotericism, there is a person known as Hermes Trismegistus, yeah, who was supposedly the creator of the written language, I think. And then I feel, I think somebody asked him, he's like, don't you know that by creating the, the written language that mankind will come to forget a lot of the stuff that they've been memorizing up to this point. And even the Hebrew Testaments, the Old Testament of the Holy Bible, a lot of that was written down from word of mouth. So it's again the importance of actually remembering the work and being able to recite it to others that may not know about it. Exactly, my brother. And you're right, exactly. There's a lot of truth in those different teachings. And it's, it's like I said, whether you're finding the truth from Sufism from the East or like ancient Greek truths from Hermes Trismegistus from ancient Greece, there's truth to be found in all of those different venues because it's all tying you back into that same truth, which is to know thyself and to know thy reality or to know thyself and to know thy Lord, which even if you go to the house of the temple, the Scottish Rite uh, Center in Washington, D.C., you will see those same, uh, basically that same saying inscribed there. So it's, it's like what we say, uh, Brother Jake, uh, you know, moving on to the aspect of us believing in God no matter what. And it's, the Sufi believes in the same thing, that Allah, God, is the guardian of those who believe. He brings them out of the darkness into the light. So in this world right now, you have about a population of 7 billion people. And out of the 7 billion, only 6 million people are Freemasons because not everybody has the, uh, I guess, tenacity inside of them to be a true believer. And how that verse that I pointed out earlier in the Quran, that it tells you that mankind or the believers are but one brotherhood. So those that put their faith in God and how even in masonry, you're taught to put your faith in God. And then that same faith brings you from darkness into the light. So, you know, as you see that I'm tying this with Sufism and Freemasonry is pretty much one and the same thing. And that's why I felt so at home with Freemasonry. And I was thinking this is the same exact thing that I was already doing. Yeah. And it just helps me basically bring that venue from the Western perspective as well. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And uh, like I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, I, I knew probably little to nothing about Sufism and uh, not very much about Islam at all. But as Salman's been sharing this presentation with us, I see a lot of these common themes with other religions, Christianity, Judaism, with that, which I know a little bit more about because I'm European. So that's, <laughs> it's natural for me. But uh, also with Masonry. And then the fact that all of these are tied together and that they're really all one of the same time, the same story. 
Indeed, my brother. That's basically all that there is. And that's the beauty of um, uh, Islam is that they tell you that the, the definition of it, as long as you believe in God, by definition, you're a Muslim. And the same thing in Masonry, as long as you believe in a supreme being and you're of a good character, you're a Mason. And now we move on to the aspect of being humble, the story of the beggar. Now, Sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani is one of the greatest Sufi masters that existed in this world. And I encourage everybody, if you want to get a good understanding of Sufism, not just from what I'm sharing here, but on your own, look up literature and uh, writings from Sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, whose name I have spelled here on this uh, template. And uh, the story of the Sheikh is one time he was walking with his students. So he's the worshipful master and his students are their brothers under him. They were walking in the middle of this town square and they see a beggar on the street. And the Sheikh pointed at the beggar and said that if, if you look at him, he's better than me. And the students were shocked that why would you say that? Like you're this great holy man, you're a high mystic. This is just some beggar on the street begging for scraps, beg begging for food. And he said, no, he said overnight, if I'm not humble and if I'm not grateful, God or the grand architect could put me in his position and put him in my mm -hmm. position. And that's what we see right now, Brother Jake, is the aspect of being humble. When we have, we have people that have some pe people in the world that are of the elite that can end poverty 10 times over in this world. But right. they, can walk, they can walk by a human being who's suffering on the street and laugh at him. And I've seen that happen one time here in the Philadelphia area. It was middle of the winter, freezing cold. And this guy was probably starving to death or freezing to death, probably both. And I saw these people, there was a concert hall right next to this guy and they were going and they were laughing at him as they were walking by. And that just kind of shattered my heart. And I went to the uh, the pizza place that was next to you know the concert hall. I got him some hot food and I made sure he was able to get to a shelter. So he probably didn't freeze to death overnight. And that's important, my brother, is what society are we dealing with right now where we look at somebody lesser than us and laugh at them and laugh at their misery or their condition, not knowing in the split of a second, Brother Jake, your whole world can come crashing down. Everything can flip overnight. In a second, people's lives have changed in different scenarios that have mm -hmm. taken place throughout human history. And you could lose everything. You could lose your family. You could lose your income. You could lose everything. So always be humble and be grateful. And that's what this master was teaching us, that if I'm not grateful, God can put me in his position and put him in my position. And we're living in a world where people who have connections or have money, they look down upon others, thinking that you're better than others. Nothing, your material wealth or your material success does not make you better than anybody. It's about your character and what good did you do for yourself and others. And that's what, we're, what we gain from this story, even in our Masonic path is to be on the level nobody's above you or beneath you. And unfortunately, even in the Masonic world, you have those that get lost in the aspect of elitism or having titles or certain numbers next to their names. And we always always must remember is what, what made you a Mason? And that's to be a respectable and upright human being. Right, and uh, if we want to talk about parallels again, we can compare this with the Christian tradition of the beggar who gave the three coins and the rich man who gave nothing. The idea yeah. that it's easier for uh, a rich man to go through the eye of a or 
yeah, rich man to go through the eye of the needle and to get into heaven. There's again all these parallels between all these religions. That that's again exactly. that, that's why I feel like I can connect with it, even though I'm just now learning about everything that you're sharing with us. Exactly, my brother. And it's like I said, education is very important because there are those that always wanted to divide us as human beings, as Jews, Christians, Muslims. And if we all took the time to learn about each other, we would realize that they're doing the same exact thing that I'm doing. I sat down with a Jewish brother not too long ago and realized that what they do in their traditions and keeping the meat and the dairy separate and so many other things, like we do the same exact thing. And I realized that wouldn't be the world be better and we'd be stronger if we come together and help each other rather than be in this, um, this aspect of chaos and disunity because that's what the agents of chaos want. And they, I, can, I cannot stress this enough, they exist in all races, religions, groups, and countries of the world. It's not just limited to America alone. I've been to other countries and there's always that balance between light and dark and we must be on the side of the light because even as masonry teaches us, good and justice always prevail no matter what. Now we're dealing with the aspect of the Kaaba. Most people, Brother Jake, do not know that the holy city of Mecca in the east, again, you have to look to the east, and the Mecca and the Kaaba represents right. the perfect ashlar stone, as you see the perfect bricks. That's what the true Mason or the true Sufi Muslim is supposed to be. And what mm -hmm. do you see inside of the Kaaba? Most people don't know from the inside what it looks like. You have the altar and then you have the pillars. Then you have the brothers that are dressed in all white, equivalent to the lambskin of the master mason. In unison, across the temple, the perfect ashlar stone with the altars and the pillars. And that's yeah. exactly, it's it's all one and the same. You're, it doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim or a Freemason. It's all one and the same, as you and your audience have been discovering so far. And as what uh, Islam teaches, that Islam has existed since time immemorial, just like how Masonry has existed since time immemorial. So the aspect of the Kaaba, or you know what the Muslims call the Kaaba or the Black Stone, they're not worshiping that black stone. That's just a representation of the of the temple of God. And that's what you have the Ka and the Ba in ancient Egypt, where you have the three stages of masonry. You have the three stages of the soul. And the Kaaba is basically your soul, the soul in the human form, in the astral form, and then the Ak, which is the third stage. And Ak in Arabic is brother. So you have to become that brother by getting to that third stage by infusing both the spiritual and physical realms together. Now, this is the part where I, I believe should be stressed more because if, if you look at the aspect of the Knights Templar and you, you've seen a, a Knights Templar, Brother Jake, right? Yep. And you see that the wool that they wear on top of their heads is basically right. The, the word Suf or the Sufi or Tasavuf means wool or the garments of wool, those that come from the garments of purity. They wear these garments of wool of purity, and that's where the Knights Templar, when you see that wool on top of their heads, that's basically in a tribute to Sufism, the Suf, the wool, mm -hmm. to be the aspect of the pure. Because when they were there studying with the assassins from the Islamic Shias, and also with the with the Sufis, they were taking that knowledge with them from the Middle East back to Europe. And it was the Al-Bana Sufi order 
with Rashid ad-Din Sanan, who was the equivalent of Hassan Sabah, the old man of the mountain, who told the Templars that you might have the cross, but we'll teach you the meaning of the cross. But And if you look at the cross, Brother Jake, and you fold it up, it becomes the perfect cube, just like the Kaaba of the perfect Ashler stone. And that's exactly what it is. And if you look at the uh, the Templars, when they went back to Europe, they were basically persecuted. They were accused of being heretics, and they were uh, persecuted on what day? Which a uh, Friday, which is a, Friday, a, holy, the 13th. a holy day. Yeah. Friday being a holy day for Muslims. So they were also. You have this aspect uh. of the Leo Tex Hill hoax, where they were saying they were worshiping this being called Baphomet. Yeah. Baphomet is actually a bastardization of Muhammad. Mahomet, because at that time the 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 spelling and the uh, English language was a little different compared to now. So Muhammad was spelled Mahomet, and the Leo Texel hoax turned it into Baphomet. So the Templars were accused of worshiping Muhammad in secret, and uh, as you see with the wool on top of their heads, paying tribute to the Sufi Muslims, and they were persecuted on a Friday, which is a holy day for Islam. And on the left hand side, you see. Uh, the Sufi and the Knights Templar both wear the white and the red. If you, look red at, yeah. if you look at the Assassin and the Templar, when they both would come at you in battle, they would both be wearing white and red, so you wouldn't know who is who. That's why even if you look at the Assassin's Creed video games, and if you tie the symbolism of what they call the Knights Templar and the Assassins and the logos and stuff, it's pretty yeah. much it's all connected to the Masonic teachings, and it's all teaching you the same exact thing. And that's that's what it is. It's that aspect of being pure, being pure of the soul, being pure with self, being pure with others. And that's what what I stress to the Masonic scholars. Even though there's no historical record that basically can prove this, but they have to address this missing link because too a lot of them have uh, for far too long ignored it. And if one can put two and two together, you can see that there is a link, and we have to be able to put our biases aside for the sake of unity, brotherhood, and love, and be able to address all of these different issues for the sake of preserving the fraternity's future. Right, and I would stress this to all the Templar historians as well, because there's this whole other side of the story that I feel like a lot of these researchers aren't looking at. They're looking at the European side of what's the story of the Templars in Europe, but there's this whole story with the Templars in the Middle East connected with Sufism and everything you've been sharing in this presentation. And a lot of these connections that you're making with Baphomet and Muhammad and the colors with the red and the white, and uh, even the story of the old man in the mountain, there's all these connections that are missing in the, the popular research that's being done on the Knights Templar. So I would yeah. really stress this to all of those Templar researchers out there to consider this other side, because there's so much more to the story that we, we choose to overlook. Uh, yeah, that's right, my brother. And again, it's it's the bias that we have to overlook. It's like myself as an Eastern man. I notice in the aspect of the Masonic education system in the West that a lot of these Eastern paths are neglected. And if you look at the Masonic double-headed eagle, it tells you that it's okay, that ancient Greece and all this stuff, that it's fine. Every uh, philosopher and historian and mystic will deserve their due credit but you have to look at all of it because masonry encompasses the whole and we're taught mm -hmm. to look to the east for a reason because that's where the light is so we must give it its due credit 
And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for you allowing me to share what I'm sharing with you now. So we look at uh, the aspect of Freemasonry, Brother Jake, and num numbers don't lie. And if you look at the Gematria calculator, Gematria is the Kabbalistic aspect mm -hmm. of the letters and the numbers and how God associated the letters and the numbers. And a lot of the occultists use Gematria. So if you type in the word Freemasonry into the Gematria calculator, with the Jewish cipher, it comes up to the exact value, 787. If you look at the Arabic numbers on the left-hand side, if you look at the Arabic numbers 787, that's the square in the compass. And it's the same exact value that it comes up to in its gematria. And what does 787 mean for the Sufi? Bismillah rahman rahim So the square in the compass, for us, when we look at it, it means in the name of Allah, God, the Beneficent, the Most Merciful. So when I first look at the, the square and compass before I joined, I realized that's Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Do these people even know that? That the 787 is basically telling them that everything is for God, by God, and under God. And that's what this brotherhood is. It's a brotherhood of man under the fatherhood of God. And that's exactly as you see with the Arabic numbers 787 and the Gematria, that it's all one and the same. And the, the lodges, there were these places in the in the Sufi um, institutions where the Knights Templar were studying with the Sufis and the assassins. And a lot of these places would be called lodges. And outside of these lodges, you would have the Arabic numbers 787. And this is long before Freemasonry officially existed. This is like in the like the time of the Crusades, that, that this was going on. So this is an, an important link, my brother, that, like I said, it needs to be addressed. And people who have the you know common sense to put two and two together, they can see it with an open heart, mind, body, and soul. Because let's even take Freemasonry out of the equation. You won't learn in your life unless you have an open mind and a curious heart and to be able to get light from everywhere because that's what the true Mason is. I even heard stories of, you know, different situations that the aspect of disunity and chaos, you cannot have that. The true Mason always promotes unity, brotherhood, because if you're if you're fighting for that true path of justice, if you're the one that's bringing justice to the world, if you see evil, you stand up against it. That's what the aspect of the Mason is to believe in God and to do the right thing. Now we have the cable toe, Brother Jake. The, the cable toe in the Holy Quran, or in the aspect of Sufism, is in uh, Surah 3, verse 103. Hold fast together to the cable of Allah, God, and be not divided. Remember the blessing that Allah bestowed upon you. You were once enemies, then he brought your hearts together, so that through his blessing you became brothers. And this is this is also stressed because let's say you're in a normal setting like in the world and mostly how america is it's like it's it's an aspect of ethnic enclaves and colonies where most people tend to stick to their own areas deal with their own people and the beautiful thing about the masonic lodge is it doesn't matter what, where you live or if what religion you are it's basically telling you that outside of this place you probably would have never met each other or came across each other but here, this is where you have the aspect of God or the Grand Architect blessing you, bringing your hearts together and you becoming brothers and holding fast together to the cable or the rope of God. And why it's important 
that anybody that's within your length to help them, you help them when they ask for your help. And that's the importance, my brother, of uh, you know what the what this represents, not just in Sufism, but in Freemasonry. Now you have the aspect of eating the word of God, haka or zikr. Now, every time you look at a Sufi master or a Sufi sheikh, he's always going to have beads and he's always going to be praying all the time. And this comes from the ancient Egyptian aspect of the haka. And they call this eating the word of God or zikring. So just like how a Mason, he's always supposed to be in a state of prayer and remembering God, no matter where his life takes him. Now we move on to the magic carpet. Now, growing up, we see these movies and video games and cartoons. And anytime it's an Oriental theme or say um, like a Arabic theme like Aladdin, they're always going to have this magic carpet that flies when you get on top of it, right? So the magic carpet is basically the oblong square, which is how like, you know, the lodge is shaped or, or mm -hmm. the Noah's Ark was shaped. Everything was in the shape of the oblong square. You are the temple. And if you look at the Islamic prayer rug, you see the pillars, you see the archway, you see the Kaaba, the perfect ashlar stone, and you see the oblong square shape. And when you get on top of this, the magic carpet means that when you're in a state of prayer and you're praying to the grand architect, your soul starts elevating. And that's what they show you in these movies and cartoons that whoever gets mm -hmm. on top of the magic carpet, when it starts flying, that means you're flying or ascending to higher dimensions. Just like those on the Masonic path or the Sufi mystic path, the deeper you get into the game, the higher your realization about life and self get, and the higher your understanding gets about who I am, what my purpose is, and the who, what, where, and why, etc. That's what exactly what it is. And I know you've talked a lot about it on your YouTube channel, but there's a lot of these subliminal messages in pop culture that people don't even realize, like you're talking about with Aladdin, the idea of the magic carpet and having your soul ascend with the, with the idea of the magic carpet. There's tons of these subliminal messages. You were even talking about John like three, uh, not that long ago as well. There's all these messages that are just fascinating. If you really have the eye to be able to see them. Exactly. Brother Jake. And what is the, what, what is the elder when John wick goes to from the West to the East to beg for his life? What does the elder tell him? The first thing he tells him is, my son, why have you been so lost from me? And my son is Mason, my son, my son, Mason. And he tells and, and he tells John Wick that why have you been wandering in the darkness in the West? You finally came to the East to get light and to get help. And that's what he's basically telling him. And that's how he's able to get a second chance at life is through the elder by going from the West to the East. And then he goes from the east back to the west, back to New York to do what he needed to do in a more refreshed condition once he had received the light. And that's what the elder of the east says, that, my son, why have you been so lost from me? Because we're wandering here in the west, right? And we have to work our way back to the east. So there is a lot of truth to that. And when I was in the, in the east, when I consulted with a lot of these Sufi elders, they have tasked me, Brother Jake, this, this is a lifelong mission that I'm on. They want me to reform the Masonic Brotherhood in the West, not just to defend it against the naysayers, but to reform it in a way where all of this stuff about elite, elitism and ego and chaos and those that are not doing things the right way 
over time in my lifetime, if I have the privilege to see that, I hope to be able to continue to work towards that. And that's basically what ties in into the Wick franchise too. So, yeah. You're, yeah, you were talking about John Wick. I also wanted to bring up though that uh, this idea of looking to the East, even with uh, Judaism, we have the idea of Zionism or returning to the Holy Land, the idea of looking back towards the East. Masons, when they address each other in public, they ask, hey, I see that you look to the East. It's this reminiscing back in the Holy Land where a lot of these ideas were originally started and founded that we need to continue to look back on our history and remember where we came from so we can use that to improve ourselves. And that's the whole concept of history and uh, the teachings of Islam or uh, masonry. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. And it's, it's like you and I have both expressed that the uh, Masonic scholars of the West have to take these missing links seriously and not just address things that make them comfortable. Sometimes you must have uncomfortable conversations because it's all about the growth. You have to look at the growth aspect. And that's what we're trying to address here on your platform as well, which I'm truly grateful for. Now we're looking at the Islamic connection to America. Now, Brother Jake, I want you to guess, there's one state in the entire union of these United States. There's only one state that has an Islam day, which is a like a mandated state holiday. And I want you to guess what that state is. Jeez, I don't know. Uh, Maryland? Just, just take a guess and, I, and I'll tell you. Maryland? Nope, not, no, not not Maryland, but Hawaii. Hawaii, why? really? Yeah. Why? Because every September, there's an Islam day celebrated in the mid of September in Hawaii, and that's a mandated state holiday. And most people do not know that 200, like, uh, like 250 years before the USA existed in 1776, there was what was known as the Kingdom of Hawaii. And if you look at the banner right. of the Kingdom of Hawaii, what are they wearing? They're they're wearing the red fez, the Shriners fez of the Muslim, and they're mm. they're holding, uh, I guess the you know the sticks where you, that represents the you know the two pillars. So the Kingdom of Hawaii and even their last king, King Kamehameha, was also a brother Mason, and he was also an Islamic Shriner. So that's oh, a, I didn't realize he was a Mason. Yeah, that's right. He was also part that's of the a really Shrine cool connection. And there's another part that people don't get that when America became its own independent country, Morocco, a Muslim country, was the first to recognize U.S. and its independence. So the first country that recognized America as an independent nation was Morocco, a Muslim country. And besides mm -hmm. the Hawaii connection, they can also look up George Washington's letter to the Sultan of Morocco. And all of these things, you know, the Masonic scholars are not talking about it. The school history books are not talking about yeah. it. So this is all important. And every time we should walk away with learning something new. And that's what makes the endeavor worthwhile. Now, Brother Jake, we're looking at Saladin and Richard. Now, you're always taught. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you're always taught that in Brother Masons always spared each other's lives whether it was in the American Civil War, you're always taught about those lessons that brother Masons on the opposite side spared yeah. each other's lives. In World War II, World War I, where these guys on opposite sides who hated each other were fighting each other on the battlefield, 
but they sat together in Lodge. It was the same story with Saladin and Richard the Lionheart. Most people do not know this, that Saladin and Richard were brothers, that every time Richard was sick or he needed help, Saladin would send his physicians and check up on him or send him horses. Anytime anything happened to Saladin, Richard would send his people to check up on him. And there was even one time where there was about to be a marriage between the two families with Saladin's brother and uh, marrying somebody from Richard's family. So our Masonic Brotherhood, most people do not realize that whether it's the American Civil War, World War I or II, or what we see in the Holy Land, Brother Masons can be on the opposite sides of the conflict, but together they are serving the same purpose in many ways for the defense of their self and their peoples. And that's why Saladin with his Masonic characters, when he protected the Christians and Jews in the Holy Land, and he made sure that they were allowed to visit their holy places, protected their relics, protected their places of worship, because that's what Prophet Muhammad, the widow's son, originally taught for those who are up, up keeping his tradition. And also, if you go to Jerusalem, the Holy Sepulchre, which is a, uh, a holy Christian church, ever since Saladin passed the keys on, where it was given to Saladin, ever since then, from that time, a thousand plus years ago, up until now, Brother Jake, that each generation of that Muslim family has passed the keys down to the next generation, and they are still maintaining the responsibility of that church in Jerusalem that people don't know about. That's honoring the brotherhood between Saladin and Richard the Lionheart. That doesn't matter if we were on opposite sides, we're Christians, Muslims, Jews. At the end, we're all one and the same in this uh, short human life trying to do the right thing. And if we're talking about Saladin, I believe it was the Horns of Hattin or the Battle of Hattin where he actually spared the Christian crusaders' lives. And again, we see that connection that even though we're on opposite sides of this battle, that we can still choose to respect each other and exactly. to try to come to an understanding of each other's points of views. And that's the whole idea with masonry again. Exactly, my brother. And now we're back to the Masonic equation. If you look at the Scottish Rite degree of the Knight of St. Andrew, you have the Templar Knight. And the, what does the green represent? The green represents Islam. So you have a lot of these Templars that were there studying Islam and studying occult Sufi texts. And then you have a lot of the aspects of, you know, being knighted and all of those things. So even the Scottish Rite is teaching you in the Knight of St. Andrews and in the 17th degree about the connection between Sufism and Freemasonry. Same thing in the Masonic double-headed eagle. When we pray, Brother Jake, when we uh, when the Muslim is praying, just like how you're on the magic carpet, the oblong square, you say salam or peace to both sides, the right side and the left side, because God is everywhere. Knowledge is everywhere. As you've seen a Muslim pray, when he's done praying, he's going to say a prayer to the right and to the left. And that's equivalent to the double-headed eagle, which in itself says that my faith is in God. So just like how the Muslim is putting his faith in his God and saying salam to both sides while praying on the oblong square on the magic carpet, this is what it's teaching us, that God is everywhere, and you must be able to accept knowledge from all directions in which it may be given to you. Yeah, I never realized that connection with yeah. the double-headed eagle. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So now we're looking at know thyself. Now, this is also, if you go to the Scottish Rite uh, 
in the Washington DC, their main house of the temple, you have this inside inscribed in the same place where they display all the holy, holy books on the altar, where it says, I searched for God and found only myself. I searched for myself and found only God. So Sufi proverb, and it's teaching you that you're all your life, brother Jake, you're taught to look outside, you're taught to look above, but not knowing that God is in a place where you least expect it is basically this world has been given to humanity and humanity has to decide what the future of this world will be. We can't blame God if things are not going right. It's us collectively. If we all collectively come together and it's like what I see here in Philadelphia that the violence has been out of control these last two years where they even have surpassed Chicago and New York in terms of the gun violence. And I stress to the people, if you all collectively came together, did the right thing and stood up against those that were causing trouble, then you could change your own neighborhoods overnight. It falls to the people. It falls to the neighbor neighborhood and the neighbors that because everything happens on the local level. What happens on the local level affects you more. And that's what I tell people is that you got to look for those answers within. Most of our lives, we're always looking for validation and trying to do the right thing and trying to get the, uh, I guess, the validation from others. But I always tell people, let your heart be your guiding key. What you want to do in your life, Brother Jake, or whoever is listening, you already have that within you. So when people tell you who they are, you believe it. On top of that, you listen in your heart. Let your intuition guide you and you will never go wrong in your life because you always honored yourself. And if you honored yourself, you honored thy creator, the grand architect. And to summarize, we also have, you know, the Sufi symbol, as you see on the right hand side, which is the, the crescent and the star in the Sufi heart. And that's has the wings on it. So your heart, as you're on the magic carpet and you're trying to become one with the Kaaba, the Ashler stones, meeting your brothers on the level, wearing all white with the pillars and the altar and the wings flying high to the heavens. That's exactly what you represent. And I had a dream like that where I was in this beautiful castle, what the Masons call the Celestial Grand Lodge. And I saw the square and compass with the wings that was flying around me. So that reminded me a lot of the Sufi and Masonic path that I'm on, which is a, you know, a beautiful thing. And uh, in, in terms of this presentation, Brother Jake, and what I've been able to share with your audience, I, I'm ready to accept any questions or comments or anything that might be of an interest to you. So we can see that whether you're a Freemason or you're a Sufi Muslim, it's all one in the th one, one in the same, my brother. That's for sure. And uh, if you want to bring up that last slide so uh, people can see your information, I, I noticed that. I want to make oh, sure yeah. you, you got your, your credit. Yeah. In. <laughs> yeah, I just got my email there. So if people want to email me, you could just email me at salmonshake911 at gmail.com. Or you could just look me up on YouTube. Just type my first and last name and I'll pop right up. And if you have any questions or comments, I can take them now. Um, or if in the future you would like to contact me, I'm open to that as well. So, and I hope, Brother Jake, that I was able to answer many questions that you had or your audience had about what is that connection or similarity between the Sufi Muslim or the Freemason. And you realize it's all one and the same. It's all the same, it's the same exact thing. 
Yeah, that was beautiful. And I, again, I really appreciate you for coming on here and sharing all this information with me because I certainly didn't know uh, any of this really at the beginning. And now it's created in me an interest in pursuing this more. It is a very interesting subject and especially relating to masonry and my own religious journey. And there's so many connections that I'm, I'm definitely going to look into it deeper, but Exactly, my brother. And, you know, to basically say what Sufism is saying, whether you're a Jewish, you're a Christian or Muslim, be the best that you can be. If you're following the Jewish path, there's the Kabbalah. If you're following uh, Christianity, there's Gnosticism. If you're in Islam, there's Sufism. So it's just like how it says in the Holy Quran that it doesn't matter what you believe in. As long as you do right by God and believe in God and are righteous, then on the day of judgment, you shall have no grief. That's what Freemasonry is promoting too, that as long as you have a belief in a supreme being, you do your own thing, be the best that you can be, be a good human being, and all of it is gonna take you to the same exact destination. If I'm following A road, B road, C road, to get to Chicago from Philly, then it's all getting me to the same destination no matter which route that I take. And that's one mountaintop and many different paths, my brother. And I hope uh, one day down the road, I do get a chance to come to Chicago and see you and enjoy the beauty of the city. That'd be awesome. Definitely email me. That'd be something I'd be interested in as well. But uh, with that, thank you for coming on. And uh, everybody who's watching, thank you for watching. Uh, stay tuned. I will be putting the audio only version of this out on all of our major podcast platforms, as well as iHeartRadio, which we just got on uh, not that long ago. So. Salman, thank you for joining us. Thank you, my brother. God bless you always and your audience, and thank you for having me. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.